Hi, my name is Jana Metzger. Welcome to the Gospel House. Our mission here at the Gospel House is to show the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. That in the gospel, we can find all of our deepest needs met as the entire church responds to and applies the implications of the gospel. We would love to show it with you. Check out our website, www.thegospel.house, where you can learn more about us, find out how to connect with us, ask questions, see when and where our next meeting is, and give to help advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Today, we move on to our new sermon series. See what I did there? Right? Isn't that cool? Isn't that fun? You got to remember our last sermon series, Gifted. Now, we thoroughly hit on this during the Gifted sermon series. If you didn't listen to it, you can go back and check those messages on the podcast app, on Apple, uh, on iTunes. You can check it out on Spotify, or you can just go to our website. The teachings are all up on there. But one of the things that we hit on so much every week, in fact, is that you are called by God. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are called. Actually, biblically speaking, before you were, have ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, when Jesus formed you in your mother's womb, you were called. He has a purpose set aside for you that only you can walk. And so part of the Christian faith, an integral part of your Christian faith, is walking out that calling. But make no mistake, you are gifted. You are called. Gospel House Church, that means it's time to get to work, right? We cannot sit on our hands. Because if you are sitting on your hands, you are not walking in the calling that Jesus Christ has placed on you. We have got to walk into the calling. It's what Peter tells us in the New Testament passage that Jana wrote to us, 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11. says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Anybody out there want to never stumble? I'd like that, right? As long as you practice these things, as long as you don't forget the call that is on your life, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. A couple weeks ago, Caitlin sent Jana and I this uh, great video. It's just a real quick video. But the gist of it was this. When we get to heaven, when we stand before the throne of God on that judgment day, God is not going to judge us based on what we did in this life. He's going to judge us based on what we were called to do in this life and whether or not we did that. Right, We hit on that passage a lot from Isaiah, right, where all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before the Lord. We've got to break this mindset that just doing good stuff is good enough to get into the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus doesn't call us to do good stuff. He calls us to be obedient. Amen? Amen. And so we've got to be obedient because that's what we're going to be judged on. We're going to be judged on whether or not we walked in the calling which Jesus has placed on our lives. If Jesus called me to be a salesman and I become a lead pastor of a church of 5,000, I'm doing the wrong stuff. It doesn't matter how many souls get saved through that ministry. 
I'm doing the wrong stuff. That's not obedience to him. He's called me to be a salesperson. He's called me to marketplace ministry. And so we've got to walk according to that calling. Opposite's true too. If you're, if you're you know, been called to be a lead pastor and you're, you're oh, I, I can't leave this job. It pays too well. I, I just can't do it. Wrong. We've got to walk according to the call Jesus has placed on our life. And if you are certain of that calling, if you are certain of what God has called you to do and you walk in it, you will not miss heaven. Isn't that what we're aiming for here? Not to miss heaven. I had a good conversation with my wife about this. So often we get distracted by the world, don't we? I've, I've, I think I've told some of you this. I've recently changed how I pray for my kids. I used to pray that they would never go through any heartache, that they would never do any bad things, that nothing bad would ever happen to them. I've stopped praying that prayer. And I'm going to warn you, this is, like is going to be a kick to the junk of our Western culture. Because, guys, Christians don't pray like this. I, I told a friend of mine this, and he kind of gave me this side eye, like, uh, what are you doing? I've started praying, God, I don't care what my kids have to walk through as long as they don't miss heaven. I don't care if they have to go through high school and walk away from you from a season and do all sorts of awful, awful things if at the end they make heaven. Guys, heaven is the goal, right? But we've got to start living like it. We've got to start praying like it. I know that sounds like a terrible prayer. Why would you pray that for your kids? Because I don't want them to miss heaven. I don't want them to miss heaven more than I want them to do good stuff on this earth. Isn't what this, that's what this is all about, right? Walking God's calling. It's not about a comfortable life. It's not about getting it all right. It's about obedience to our Lord and Savior. The gospel's really, really simple. <laughs> we got all of these people trying to figure out formulas and you know piece it all together like it's some like Sudoku puzzle. Oh, how do we follow Jesus? How do we how do we make it to heaven? What do we do? Obedience. Do what he says. That's as simple as it gets. And we see that being being firm in your calling, knowing your calling, and walking in it. We see it so clearly in the life of the Old Testament character of Elisha. So that's what we're going to do through this sermon series. We're going to look at these different New Testament commands and how they pertain to, to moving onward through seasons. But then we're going to look at an Old Testament character that exemplifies these things. So today we look at the story of Elisha. And in Elisha, we see Peter's plea for confidence in calling three different ways. We see it in the power that Elisha walks in. We see it in the call on Elisha's life. And then we see it in the response that Elisha has to that call. And we've got to do all three of those things. Because if you just have one, if you just have two, it's nice, but it's not God's way. And we're all about doing it God's way, right? So first, the power. We just came out of the sermon series, Gifted. This is what everybody likes, right? There is power in the name of Jesus. Let's talk about it. The power. When you look at the life of Elisha, no one can deny it that this man walked in the power of God, right? And that power started 
on the day that Elijah, get this, sees his mentor, Elijah, with a J, get carried away into heaven by chariots of fire. Wouldn't that be pretty wild? You're walking along with the guy who's been teaching you all this stuff, and then all of a sudden these chariots of fire just whoop, he hops in, whoop, takes off, right? And we see that in 2 Kings 2, verses 9 through 14. The word tells us this. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. This is just the beginning. Elisha asked for a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah. And if you go through the Bible and you count up the miracles that the two of them did, guess what happens? Elisha does exactly twice the number of miracles that Elijah did. Makes you think, well, gee, he should have asked for a triple portion or a quadruple portion, right? And can I take just a moment to rabbit trail here? I try really hard not to rabbit trail because it wastes time, but this is an important rabbit trail. Christian, when you pray, pray big. I do not believe that God is ever dishonored by a big prayer. I do not believe that God is ever sitting up there thinking, oh, golly, Jeremy. I think God is dishonored by greedy prayers. Huh? Don't pray greedy, right? Just because you pray you're going to win the mega millions, okay? I don't care how much of that you say you're going to tithe, okay? I mean, I do care, because if you win it, please. But don't pray greedy prayers. There's a difference, right? Don't pray greedy prayers, but pray big prayers. God's not dishonored by that. So instead of asking for a double portion, ask for that quadruple portion. Ask for that ten, what's a ten times? I don't know. I don't know what those equals are, but whatever. Ask for ten times the portion. But lay it all out there. Go big or go home, right? That's what we got to do. That's what Elisha could have done. But he asked for a double portion, and he got it because God answered that. And we see him immediately, this cloak that falls down from Elijah. He takes it, and he strikes the Jordan. And what happens? The waters part. Immediately, the power is there. Immediately, Elisha starts walking in that power. Look at this list, though. It goes on from there. Elisha, this is no, in no way comprehensive, but this is just, you know, what I wrote down. Elisha heals poisoned water. Elisha tells a bear to attack some naughty kids when they call him bald. How would you like that, bald guys? That's a pretty cool superpower, huh? 
Elisha turns away the entire Moabite army from attacking Israel. Elisha prays for a son for a Shunammite woman. Elisha resurrects that son when he dies years later. Elisha heals the Syrian army general Naaman. In that same story, Elisha curses his servant with leprosy when his servant lies to him. Elisha causes an axe head to float. Elisha frustrates over and over again the Syrian army's battle plans as they try to attack Israel. And he continues to tell Israel's army what Syria is going to do before they do it. Then the Syrian army comes to capture Elisha, and he causes a blindness to come on the entire Syrian army, and one man captures the entire army. Isn't that nuts? Leads them back to Israel, and then one man restores sight to all of those blind men. And then finally, as if his worldly work weren't enough, one of my favorite stories in the Bible There's a guy who dies, and there's thieves who are coming, so they grab him and quickly toss him off the side of the road, and this dead man falls on the bones of Elisha and comes back to life. Pretty wild, huh? The power of God clearly at work. But look, we just finished the gifted sermon series, right? Do not miss the main thing here. Elisha walked in power because he was anointed by God. Elisha walked in anointing because he was called by God. And he walked in the calling that God placed on his life. And not by Elijah. Don't turn this into an advertising as advertisement for mentorship, right? Elijah was not the one who called Elisha. Don't make that mistake. Elijah delivered the mail. Elijah was the vehicle God used to call him. But God was the one who called Elisha. God, or I'm sorry, Elisha was not anointed by man. He was anointed by God. He was not called by man. He was called by God. And can I put out a stern warning for all of us? Talent is not anointing. Charisma is not anointing. Unfortunately, this is how the corporate church calls people a lot today. You have a natural talent. We see a natural talent in a person. And so we say, oh, well, he he must be called to do this. I cannot tell you how many people told me I was anointed because I could play a guitar and sing right? When I first started my ministry, everybody, oh, you are, you're so anointed. There's an anointing on you. Why? Because I can sing and you need tenors for the choir? Because typically guys are too embarrassed to sing. Right, Mason Hecklinger? Oh! <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, Mason. I shouldn't have done that. But talent and charisma are not anointing. Just because, and and look, look, y'all are here, right? Aren't you glad that I didn't stay in that calling? Because look, y'all, if I had stayed in that, if I was only anointed to lead worship, if I was only called to lead worship, we wouldn't be here right now because I'd still be leading worship somewhere. 
That doesn't mean that I wasn't called for a season to do it. That doesn't mean that I wasn't anointed for a season to do it. But that wasn't the, the final calling. And I knew that. I knew that when God called me into the ministry. But see, when we're walking God's way, there is no power outside of calling and anointing. Here's the problem. This is the problem we have with the corporate church. Talent looks a lot like power sometimes, doesn't it? I was, I was talking with Manny about this last week. But as, as just a, a fan of music, as a musician, I know how to manipulate emotions, right? You can listen to a secular song, and when there's a key change, you get goosebumps, don't you? So when we do a Christian worship song, and I really want to get the spirit going, key change, and everybody after service says, that was such an anointed service. And I say, no, it wasn't. There was just a key change in the song, and you really liked it. Look, that doesn't mean that it's not anointed, all right? God uses those things as vehicles, but when the vehicle becomes more important than the message, when I start using that vehicle to manipulate responses, I can make it look a whole lot like anointing when I'm not actually doing what God's told me to do. That's scary, isn't it? That's why we as Christians have to be on top of this. And that starts with you walking in your calling. Because if Elisha didn't walk in the call of God, he would have missed the whole thing. So we got to look at it. The call. Elisha, if he wanted to do some cool and powerful things, that'd be nice. But it wouldn't have won anybody over for Jesus. It wouldn't have made a difference in the kingdom of God. And none of the things that we saw would have ended up happening. The reason we see power at work in 2 Kings is because Elisha was called in 1 Kings. And that was the Old Testament passage Jana read to us. It says, Then Elijah said, Excuse me, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenants, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. The Lord said to him, go on your way to the wilderness, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazael, king of Aram, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall come about, the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall put to death, the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall put to death. We're actually going to talk about this in about a month. We're going to jump back to 1 Kings 19. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But just to give you a little bit of context for what's happening here, Elijah is having himself a pity party. Christian, have you ever been there? God answered a prayer, but he didn't do it the way Elijah wanted him to. And so guess what Elijah does? He does what Jeremy Allen Metzger has done many times. God, I'm done forget it. I'm the only one left who's ever done anything for you. And this is how you repay me? Ugh. Don't pretend I'm the only one. We've all been there, right? God moves, but not in your way. God moves, but not in your time. And so we throw a little temper tantrum. 
And look at God's response. That's my favorite part of this. God says, Elijah, you have no idea what I'm doing. I have got something going that is so much bigger than you that you wouldn't even be able to wrap your head around it. And we'll go into that when we talk about this story, but we're not talking about that story today. i got to stop talking about that story because it's a really good story. But one of the things that he says, you need to go to this man named Elisha because, Elijah, I know you're tired. I know you've had it up to here. And I know you don't have much left in the tank. So I am going to give you someone who's going to take your place. I am going to give you someone that you need to place your mantle on. And you need to show how to do this and get ready. Because he's going to take over for you. Again, the call is not from man, right? Elijah didn't go out to the wilderness and have this great idea. That's not what it is. Elijah went out to the wilderness and God told him, this is what you do. Let me reiterate, talent is not calling. God didn't say, hey, there's this really talented, young and up and coming prophet. Go talk to him. It's not what he said. Charisma is not calling. God called Elisha. But he also called Elijah, didn't he? And that's where we get to the response. And we've actually got two of them here. First, we see the response from Elijah. Because what good is it? What good does it do if God says all of this to Elijah and then Elijah doesn't do anything. Nothing, right? Elijah has to respond to the call. So we read in verse 19. So he, Elijah, departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed over him and threw his mantle on him. We see Elijah being what? obedient, right? And this is something the church today struggles with mightily. Notice what we do not see from Elijah. There is no jealousy, right? There is no envy, just obedience. He doesn't get worried well, God, I mean, what if I throw my mantle on Elisha and he becomes more popular than me? What if I throw my mantle on him and people like him more than me? What if he preaches and everybody leaves me and goes to see his church and nobody comes to mine anymore? He doesn't do that, does he? He's obedient to the call. And because he's obedient to the call, there is what? Power. Right? There is a call, there is obedience, and there is power because of the obedience. Elijah steps into the calling. He steps into the anointing, and he steps into the power. 
the thing that we struggle with so much is that that power that he steps into for that moment is giving it all away, right? We see a great New Testament example of this in John the Baptist, right? All the disciples, his, his disciples are coming to him. John, this Jesus cat is stealing all your disciples. What, what, what's, what's the deal? And what's John say? John knows what he's called to do, right? Like Second Peter tells us, he is unwavering in that calling. And he says, I must become less so that he can become greater. And he walks into that power. He walks into that anointing. Again, there is no power and there is no anointing outside of obedience to the call of God. Christian, God has called you. But don't let it stop there. Let's be the kind of church that calls out the anointing we see in others. Right? Let's be the kind of church that doesn't get embarrassed or doesn't get scared that somebody's going to steal our thunder. That somebody's going to steal our likes and follows. But let's help each other walk out the calling that we see in their lives. Amen? Amen. Next week is going to be an incredible Sunday, y'all. Amazing. Our first birthday, right? So exciting to see what look back and see what God's done. But next week is also going to be a bittersweet Sunday. Because our dear friend, our sister and daughter, Caitlin Motzinger, is going to be leading worship for the last time. For now, anyway. We'll leave the door open for what God wants to do. But ladies and gentlemen, Caitlin has been anointed and Caitlin has been called by God to follow him to Texas in this season. So clearly, so clearly she has been anointed and called. And we as a church are calling out that calling in her life. We're calling it out so hard that if Caitlin wanted to stay, we wouldn't let her. Say, go, go to another church. You're not staying here. <laughs> I mean, if God really wanted to tell us that she was supposed to stay. But guys, the call is so clear. And we want to be the kind of church that calls out that calling, that holds others accountable to that calling. Right? When I see a calling in you, I'm not going to let you not step into it. Right? That's the kind of church we want to be. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. I don't want to be the kind that gets, that gets territorial, says, well, not if you're not doing it for the gospel house. Forget that. I don't want to build the gospel house. I want to build the kingdom of God. And we cannot build God's kingdom while we're being territorial. So we've got to launch people. We've got to push people what? Onward, right? Guys, too many times we see churches who get really talented individuals and they hold on to them, right? This person's a great worship leader, so we're just going to hold on to them. We're going to keep them here because if they leave, oh, we're just going to suffer here at the gospel house. No, we cannot build God's kingdom that way. 
because if there is a calling and if there is an anointing, there has to be ascending. There's got to be. It goes for every single one of you here. You have got to step into that calling. Caitlin, you have got to step into that calling. And we won't let you do anything else. It hurts. It's not fun. But y'all, if we're doing ministry the right way, it should be a constant give and take. It's a constant hello and goodbye. Jana and I have said goodbye to so many dear friends in ministry. But we have always said goodbye with blessing. We bless you into this calling of God. We bless you into this next chapter. And we're never going to stop doing that because that's who we want to be. Guys, surround yourself with people who are going to do that. Surround yourself with people who are going to bless you as you're going out. Not who hold on to you to keep you close, but who bless you as you're going out. People who will jealously fight with you for that calling and who will not let you settle for anything else. Next week, we will officially commission Caitlin. We'll bring her up here and embarrass her and pray over her and all of that stuff, and we'll officially send her out. But we are so proud of her for following that calling. And we want every single person in here to do the same, to run after that calling. And guys, as your church, if you want the Gospel House to be your home church, if this is your church, man, we send you. We want to come alongside you. We want to empower you and equip you, just like Elijah did for Elisha. We want to do that. That's the kind of church that we want to be. Because we want to send you to do exactly what Elisha did. I love this part. This passage of scripture right here inspired me to do something really stupid years ago. The word of God says this. He left the oxen, this is Elisha, left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. You can almost feel the pain in Elijah's voice when Elisha asks if he can go back and kiss his father and mother. Can't you? Go back, for what have I done to you? Y'all, ministry is hard. And I am not talking about working at a church. That's not ministry. It is, but it's not. Ministry, what? Responds to need, right? That's our most basic definition of ministry. Ministry responds to need. And y'all, if you are going to follow Jesus... And if you are going to respond to the needs around you like Jesus, it is a constant dying to self. Has anyone in here ever died? No. But it's a painful process, right? For you to die to yourself every day. Guys, let's, can we just stop pretending it's easy? 
you know, we've got all these seeker-sensitive meetings and all this stuff. I'm talking to you, Christian. And I'm talking to you if you're seeking Jesus right now. It's a hard road. Who's going to want to follow that? I don't care. Jesus himself says to count the cost before you follow him. We've got a bunch of shallow Christians who think following Jesus is going to be sunshine and rainbows. Not according to this. Ministry is hard. It's supposed to be. Stop complaining about it. Guys, God's raked me and Jan over the coals about a thousand times on this. Right? We, we throw our pity parties like Elijah. God, this is so hard. There was one time Jan and I went on a missions trip, and it was hard. It was just a hard trip. Nothing was going right. And, and you know, Jana that night, well, she'll tell you, she said, God, this is so hard. And guess what God told her? Ministry is hard. Ministry's hard, y'all. I'm not going to pretend it's anything else. Before you sign on that dotted line and give your heart to Jesus, know it is going to be a hard road because he is going to require everything from you. Jesus requires all of your life and nothing less. You've got to sign it all away. But there's got to be a response. This this one's for all you Arminianists out there. I preach a lot to the Calvinists, you know, because God has predestined all of this stuff. He's predestined. He's already chosen what you're going to walk in. He's chosen your good works, all of that stuff. But this is for my Arminian friends here. You still have to respond. You still have to say yes to the call. If God would have told Elijah, hey, I want you to go find this guy named Elisha and you know, put your mantle on him, Elisha has to say yes. He's got to go do it. Too many times we have Christians, and if you actually listen, Arminians, Arminians, listen, if you actually listen, or we have to read now, the teachings of John Calvin, if you go back and look at them, he never said a lot of the stuff that actual Calvinists say now. The Calvinists who sit on their hands and say, well, we don't have to do anything because God's already done it all. That's not actually a teaching of his. So just to put that out there so you don't hate the wrong person. Just kidding, we don't hate anybody, we're Christians. (laughs) But you must respond to the call. The good news is God already knows whether you're going to respond or not, right? But that's what we see from Elisha here. He responds to the call. The phone is ringing. Ring, 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 ring. And Elisha what? Walks away from it? No, he picks it up. And he says, I'm ready, Lord. Let's do this thing. Right? And does he do it halfway? Absolutely not. Elisha goes all in. Look at what he does. Lots of times we glaze right over this passage. Lots of it's because it's complicated and we don't really see what's going on here. But look at what Elisha does. He's out there plowing the field. It's probably the family business, right? They're, they're agriculturalists. They're farmers. They're doing their thing in the field. Plowing his field. Elijah comes, throws his cloak on him, and says, come on, let's do this thing for Jesus. And he says, well, okay, let me go tell my parents where I'm going. He goes and tells his parents where he's going. He comes back out. What's he do? Kills the ox, takes the plow, busts it up, lights it on fire, cooks the stuff, feeds it to all the workers. Regular old barbecue. Hey, guys, this is my going away potluck. Let's eat the ox that I've been plowing with. 
Elisha says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And as if there was ever an option to go back, he says, I'm lighting it all up, buddy. You know, they always tell you, don't burn bridges, right? You don't know when you're going to need those connections. Not Elisha. Light it up. I did the same thing. When God first called me into full-time ministry, I had a lot of people tell me that I should keep my, I used to be a teacher, so, you know, I went to school for five years, whatever it was, to get my educator's license. And I cannot tell you how many people I had tell me, well, just make sure you keep your educator's license current because you never know when you're going to have to come back to it. Guess what I did? I burned that sucker. I didn't actually burn it. I actually stuck it in a box and put it up in the attic and then forgot about it. I cashed out my 501k, 401k, what's that thing called? My teacher's retirement system, cashed it all out. Much to the chagrin of my wife, I used it to pay so a bunch of youth kids could go to youth camp for free. I think she wishes I would have kept that, but I didn't. Guys, I burned it all. I burned it all because I knew, God, if you are calling, to me, calling me to this, to full-time ministry, I am not going back. I'm burning it, and I am not going back. Now listen, 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 you martyrs out there. We've got to be careful here, okay? God is calling you to what? Obedience, right? Not grand gestures, okay? We just finished 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient, love is kind, you know, all of that, okay? Walk it back a little bit. Love is not a noisy gong. Lots of times we can be noisy gongs in our love, right? We read stories like Romeo and Juliet, and so we want to go and do the, the same thing. I will kill myself for love, right? That's noisy gong love and it's not God's love. Slow roll this. God is calling you. Be obedient to the call. Pastor Jeremy burned all of his credentials. I'm going to go do the same. God is not calling you to be Pastor Jeremy, right? Uh, somebody needs to hear this, okay? It's not about the grand gesture. It's not about who can sacrifice more. Well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to show God because I died this way. And I did this grand thing, and nobody else did. That's not what it's about. It's about obedience. So don't go do something stupid just because it's stupid. Was it stupid for me to cash out my retirement and give it to a bunch of youth kids? Probably. But that's what God told me to do. There is no power. There is no anointing if you go do something stupid just to do something stupid. Right? We've got to be called to it. It's got to be in the calling. But we also cannot be afraid. We cannot be afraid. Caitlin cannot be afraid to go to Texas and to run after this thing that God has so clearly called her to do. I could not be afraid to run after going into full-time ministry. And when I did, I knew God was telling me, Jeremy, I want you to go, and I don't want you to look back. We've got to stop giving ourselves ways out. 
so many Christians gives them, give themselves back doors, give themselves trap doors, and we have to stop. Christian, you cannot move onward while you hold on so tightly to the past. You can't do it. Christian, you cannot move onward as long as you are constantly giving yourself a way out of being obedient to God. You can't give yourself fully to the plan if you're always working on the backup plan, right? And God does not do backup plans. So if God has called you to it, can I challenge you to walk in it? Listen, y'all. We have to stop pretending. Gospel House Church, we have to stop pretending that Jesus Christ gave his life. That Jesus Christ came down from heaven, gave up his throne, came down from heaven, suffered a brutal death on a cross so that you and I can live comfortable lives. Lives, sorry. Jesus didn't die to make you comfortable. He died to make you holy, right? And he died so that you can walk in obedience to the call that he's placed on your life. Look, we, we go over this every week, right? This is, this is like the, the phrase that the gospel house was, was built on. I can't, but Jesus did and will through the Holy Spirit in me, right? Here's the fact of the matter, that, that very few churches are going to teach you this. You aren't strong enough to walk in the calling that God's placed on your life. It is far too big. It is far too holy. What's the command in Scripture say? It says, be holy, for I am holy. You are called to walk in the holiness of God. Nothing less. He doesn't say, try your best. That's not God. God says, be holy, for I am holy. But then Jesus didn't just walk a perfect life to be an example. When the Holy Spirit falls in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, that is the power of God for you to walk in that holiness. God hasn't just placed a calling in your life, on your life. He's given you the power to walk that calling out. But you have to be obedient. We have to be dependent upon him. I love, I, I love a lot of Mark Batterson books. But he's got this one really good book called All In. You read it and it makes you want to run through a brick wall for Jesus. That's the best thing. It's always for Jesus. You just run through a brick wall. It's, it's kind of dumb. But in his book All In, he says this. And the first time I read it, this fired me up like no other. He says, quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Gospel House, it's time to move onward. Tomorrow is the actual first birthday of this church. One day to the day, we held our first service. And yes, we look back in thankfulness. Yes, we look back in awe of everything that God has done. But guys, we cannot stay there. God is too big for us to stay back in that barn where we first started. 
He has called us onward. We've got to get dangerous, church. We have got to get bold. We have to pray big prayers. We have to dream big dreams. We have to pursue everything that God has called us to. And we've got to do it all in complete and utter dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Because look, y'all, if you are praying prayers that big, your prayers ought to be big enough, so big that you can't do it on your own, right? Prayer is so big that you have to be dependent on the Holy Spirit to do it. That's what God has called us to. To press onward, not with everything that we have, but with everything that he has. Because he is the one who has called it to us. So what are we waiting for? Anybody excited? Anybody? Gospel House, God has called you. He has called you to a perfect purpose and plan. And there is power for you as you walk out that calling. Burn the plow. Kill the oxen. Feed the people. Have a barbecue and celebrate. Y'all, I'm running after everything that God has called me to, and no one's going to stop me. Come on, church. I am running after everything that God has called me to, and no one is going to stop me. Because if God sets you on the mission, let me tell you something, you are invincible until your job is done. No one can stop you until you have accomplished exactly what he set you out for. Guys, let's be like pit bulls. Let's be like hound dogs. When God lets us off the leash, man, we are off and running, and there's nothing that's going to stop us. You can't do it, but the Holy Spirit in you can. Let's surrender to him. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel House Podcast. We pray that you are pointed to Jesus and will apply what you learn to look more like Him each and every day. If you found today's message impactful, do us a favor and hit the follow button. Leave us a rating and write up a review to help others find our podcast. You can also help us by sharing the podcast so that together we can show the world that the Gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you head to our website, www.thegospel.house connect, fill out the form and someone from our Gospel House family will connect with you. God bless you and remember, the gospel of Jesus Christ is always enough.